surface, Bruce and I don't have a lot in common. He's a white guy from a small town in Jersey. I'm a black guy of mixed race, born in Hawaii. He's a rock and roll icon. I'm not as cool. Will's right. I don't, I really don't enjoy this kind of thing. And that's partly a function. That's partly, you know, that's partly ideological. It's partly, you know, this kind of thing is just not to my taste, you know, politically or otherwise. But it's partly also just oversaturation. Like I've somehow... Mm. You know, I've some, I somehow have a career where I am forced to subject myself to things that are very unpleasant and then write my thoughts on them or things I find very unpleasant <laughs> um, and then, you know, write about them. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's partly that as well. So I struggle sometimes, at least initially, to, you know, I always think like, well, God, what is the audience for this? Who's listening to this? And I, I mean, I don't actually think it's that hard to, um, to account for. I think, you know, the the reason something like this is such a money maker and I assume has a vast listenership is because you know, there's kind of something for everybody, right? There's, you know, I mean, who doesn't love Bruce Springsteen? And then you got um, you know, Obama who's, you know, a very popular and beloved figure. You know, they're sort of talking about things at the kind of nexus between you know, uh Americana and you know, sort of mainstream Americana and politics and that's you know there's you know there's uh there's there's something for everybody it's like you you have you have a good time and and you learn something and you know that is obama's entire you know in his kind of new role as a or his new incarnation i suppose as an influencer as a kind of as somebody who is is really a, an aspiring sort of i mean mogul might be too strong a word but you know a sort of entertainment entrepreneur you know, the something for everyone shtick, uh, which, of course, is his political shtick also, um, is something that, you know, you see in all of his, uh, you know, in all of his output these days. Uh, when Nathan Robinson and I wrote our review of his memoir, you know, we open it um, by talking about uh, his playlist, uh, which came out right ahead of the uh, release of volume one of his memoirs. Um, and so, you know, the playlist was, uh, you know, some memorable songs from my administration, something like that. And, um, you know, just to list uh, list a few of the things that were on it, you got Frank Sinatra, Dylan, Beyonce, U2, Gloria Estefan, The Beatles, Miles Davis, Brooks and Dunn, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Wonder, Jay-Z, B.B. King, Eminem. You, you know, you've got, like, Aretha Franklin covering the band's The Weight with Dwayne Allman on guitar. You know, oh, Southern Rock meets... so many... Of, ticking so many so- Southern there. Rock meets Detroit Gospel, right? Um, and, and the thing <laughs> is, um, as was said earlier, like, you know, this is a podcast about myth-making. But the thing is, we expect and, and want Bruce Springsteen, right? We want entertainers uh, and artists to be myth-makers because that's a big part of their function, especially you know, an artist like Springsteen, you know, and, and, you know, for what it's worth, I think Springsteen is pretty introspective about that role. And to, to some extent on, on this podcast, from what I heard, I also listened to three episodes, but also uh, in, in Springsteen on Broadway, like he talks about, like, what does it mean to be a kind of myth maker? The trouble is, and, and this is where I find something like this so um, difficult and grating and ultimately you know, I'm left with only the most cynical reading of it, even as I try to understand how people might enjoy it or, or like it um, or appreciate it, is that, you know, I think that the function of political leadership is very different. And so when Obama says stuff like, 
Um, like he um, in the first episode, he says, you know, you, you start with the vanity in politics and the megalomania. And then he says, at some point, you empty out and become a vessel and a conduit for the stories you've heard from others. And uh, he, he talks elsewhere on this about, he says, how can we f- uh, find our way back to a more unifying American story? He says, we're looking here for ways to connect our individual searches for truth and beauty with a larger story of America. And I I just think it's I think it's incredible how Obama, like Springsteen, understands his function and has always understood his function like and his his political vision as being about like, you know, he's a weaver of myths. And that's what Mm -hmm. he thinks his purpose is in in his memoir. There's a remarkable passage where he's talking about his election in the wake of the financial crisis. And he says, like, you know, well, maybe, you know, all this bad stuff was happening, but maybe what we needed was you know, referring to these kind of triumphal first few months of his presidency where there's this big kind of national groundswell, saying maybe what we needed was just like a heartwarming story to get people through this, you know, difficult time. And it's like, well, I think what, you know, was needed was a massive, you know, historic overhaul of the American economy and financial system. But, you know, you do you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Did you listen to the episode where Bruce Springsteen almost kind of challenges Obama? I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. Is that the episode on reparations? Oh, was that the... I I don't think I actually listened to that one. I listened to, I think, six of the eight episodes. Let me just check on Spotify now. The the reparations one was was either the second or third one, because I listened to that one. Since we since we brought it up, I would like to just briefly mention something that came up in the episode "Race in the United States." At one point, they talk about reparations, and Obama says, and I'm kind of paraphrasing: "If you ask me theoretically if reparations are justified, the answer is yes. There's not much question that the wealth of this country, the power of this country, was built in a significant part on the backs of slaves." Um, but then he goes on to say. But on a practical level, I understood that as a political issue, as something tangible, reparations was a non-starter. You know, we can't even agree to get good quality schooling in our inner cities and just think of the white backlash that would meet this. You know, many, many white people struggling to make ends meet on their own wouldn't understand how this could benefit them. But then he concludes this riff by saying, Even though I was convinced reparations was a non-starter during my presidency, I understand the argument of people I respect, like Ta-Nehisi Coates, that we should talk about it anyway, if for no other reason than to educate the country about a past that is too often not taught. Now, a beef that I think a lot of people have had with Obama in his post-presidency is he's got this enormous platform. I mean, he genuinely is one of the most powerful people in the world, still, like... The connections he has, the reach he has, the platform he has. And so often he seems to use that platform to, you know, like chide the activist base or, you know, tell people, well, you know, if you if you say that thing or uh, if you emphasize this thing, you you use that language like defund the police or abolish the police. You're not going to get people on your side. Now, I mean, he may he may well be right about the reparations issue. He may well be right that it's a political non-starter. But, you know, he's not the president anymore, and he seems so eager to use these platforms that he's built for himself to kind of, well, to, to, to not want to educate people. He, he, he always, he's always striking yeah. this posture of being like, well, of course I'm on the side of this thing. But fundamentally, you have, to, you have to argue things this way and that way. Couldn't he be using his platform to instead be educating people about the reality? When he talks about abolishing the police, he says that phrase, you know, strikes fear in the heart of a lot of people. You shouldn't use it. 
what if he used his podcast to explain what abolish the police actually means? Because when most people hear what it actually means, you can kind of get them on side with it. Now, I know the answer to that question is because he doesn't actually believe that, um, etc. Yeah, I mean, he does use the, this platform to chide activists uh, in not always contemporary ones. At the end of the, what's it called? The uh, traveling America, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, they've all got such trite names. My favorite is looking towards American renewal. Like, that sounds like the name of a fucking centrist think tank. 